0: that uh, we get to do that because I believe that this is a series that every single one of us in here is going to connect with. You're right. You're already expecting, right? Every single one of us is going to connect with this series that we're launching into. And I do want to thank uh, thank Pastor Rob for inviting campus pastors to kick off this series this week across uh, all nine of our campuses, where campus pastors are uh, are opening up this series this week. And um, I love I love the the relationship that we have with being one church in multiple locations. I just I love that. I love that I can be your pastor and that Pastor Rob is our pastor. I love that dynamic. I love the vision and the mission of our church. I love what God is doing in our church. I love that last week, Easter weekend here at our campus, we saw 1027 people come to church last weekend. Isn't that cool? It's just amazing. Amazing what God is doing across the house. Well, this is why this is why I say I believe that every one of us is going to connect with this uh, with this series that we're launching into this week. It's because the series that we're launching into is talking about relationships and every single one of us in this room today, our lives are filled with relationships. They really are. I was thinking about it this week, kind of taking an inventory of all the different relationships that we have in life, and and it's almost overwhelming when you think about it. We have family relationships. We all come from a family, whether you like it or not. We do. We have parents, we have moms, dads, siblings. How many of you love your brothers and sisters? That's about the same response I got in the first service. (laughs) We got work to do. Maybe we better add a week to our series. If you're married, you got your husband, your wife, if you have kids, your sons and your daughters, we have aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews, all these different relationships. We have friendships. They're close friends. We have close friends in our lives. We have not so close friends. We have acquaintances in our lives. And then we have our church friends or what I like to call church family. Those are good relationships. We have coworkers, we have classmates, and these days we have social media and some people have hundreds or thousands of Facebook and Instagram and Twitter friends, followers and it's amazing. Our lives are just filled with relationships. And so that's why we thought we need to take a look at what the Bible teaches us about our relationships. And that's what we're going to do over these next few weeks. We're going to ask the question, is the way that I'm doing relationships, is it in alignment with how Jesus teaches us how to do relationships? It's a great question, isn't it? So much of what Jesus teaches us deals with the way that we relate to one another. And so today we're going to start with talking about just some principles of how to do relationships well, the most important relationship we have. And we're going to end today by talking about singles and those wanting to get married. And I'll tell you, some of this teaching uh, today might be just a little PG-13. We'll just say that. PG-13. So if you have kids in here today, I just wanted to give you that warning. We have awesome kids services going on downstairs for uh, fifth grade. Pastor Leif said, amen. Awesome kid services going on for fifth grade and under. And I won't mind a bit if you want to bring them downstairs and check them in to be a part of what's happening with kids down there. Next week, we're going to focus on the marriage relationship, the relationship between husbands and wives. And then the following week is Mother's Day. So guess what we're talking about? moms and kids. Following week, we'll talk about dads and kids. But as we get ready today, let me just give you just a few opening thoughts. I want to, I want to, I want to pastor and shepherd you today. I want to teach you today. I want to give you some instructions on what the Bible teaches about relationships so that you and I, we can look at our own lives and we can, we can make adjustments to bring our lives into alignment with God's word. That really should be our goal as followers of Christ to bring our lives into alignment with God's word, right? I mean, I think way too often, we choose, pick and choose things that we wanna obey because it's convenient or not, but listen, as followers of Jesus, our goal always, 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 always should be to conform our lives, to bring our lives into alignment with God's standard, not to try to morph God's standard into something that fits our comfort zone. And so I know that sometimes that's hard because sometimes some of the things that Jesus teaches is hard. I understand that. But listen, I believe we live our best life when we live it according to his word and when we live it according to his will. And so for us to shift our lives, to change our way of thinking and our way of behaving, the first thing really we need to know is what does Jesus teach us? How did Jesus teach us to live? What did Jesus tell us? What did his life model in how he did relationships? And and that's what I want to do to try and help us understand a little bit better today. So that's the first thing. Secondly, as I already mentioned today, we're going to be talking about singles and specifically singles that are dating and moving towards marriage. But let me say this from the very beginning. You don't have to get married. If you're single, you don't have to get married. If you're single, you're not broken, needing marriage to fix you. Marriage doesn't make you complete. Jesus is the only person that will ever complete any of us. Can I say that again? Jesus is the only one, the only relationship that will ever complete every single one of us. However, I know that for most people, you want to get married, or you'll have kids that are going to want to get married, and the bottom line is a large percentage in our world are either married or wanting to get married. Not all but most. In fact, it's not necessarily even God's will for everyone to marry. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. Yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it is better to stay unmarried just as I am. Notice that Paul says that some have the gift of singleness and some have the gift of marriage. Paul was not married. He didn't have to worry about all of the extra problems and the stresses or the things that come with with marriage or family. He was able to devote his entire life to spreading the word of God. And and he wouldn't have been as useful of a messenger for God if he had been married. On the other hand, there are people in our world that do better as a team. Serving God as a couple or as a family. Both are equally important. It's not a sin to remain single. Even for your entire life. It isn't. The most important thing in life is not finding a mate or having children, but loving Jesus and serving Jesus with all of our heart. That's what's most important. So that's the second thing. Thirdly, as we get going here today, if you're here today and you're married... Don't check out just because we're talking about relationships as singles. Deal? If you're already married, this message, I believe, can help you in many ways. I believe that it will give you some tools to help you as you give counsel or encouragement to people in your world who may be single. And I hope that you have people in your world who are single. Those relationships are important for them and for you. I believe that this message can help you sharpen your own marriage. And I also think that there may be some married folks in here today who, who maybe you feel like you, you weren't in the same place when you got married. You weren't in the same place with Christ that you are now. And maybe you feel like maybe you married the wrong person. Well, let me give you some good news today. There's no such thing. As the right or wrong person. We're gonna talk about that in a little bit. Let me just give you something to hold on to. When you made the vow, it's God's will now. (laughs) When you made your vow, it's God's will now. When you said, I do, that made your spouse the right person for you to have a great marriage with, and I believe it's possible. I really do. I believe it's possible. And so today is a great day to stop living with regret, to stop wondering what might have been, because as long as you're wasting time and energy thinking about what might have been, you're going to miss out on opportunities to make what you do have everything that it should be. So for all of us today, if we're single and wanting to be married, if we're single and not wanting to be married, if we're married and wanting to be single... If we're married and we're happily married, I believe there's something for every single one of us today. Because you and I, we were created for relationships. We were. God wired us for relationships. Even introverts, believe it or not. God wired for relationships. From the very beginning, way back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And listen, I don't think that's just a marriage scripture. God looked at mankind and he said, alone, not so good. Together, there you go, that's better. Together. And so no matter if we're married, no matter if we're single, we were made to love and to be loved. We were made to know others and to be known. You and I, we were made to see others and to be seen. And that's why... Every single one of our relationships matter. But notice that the, the, the order of our relationships, this is important. We were first made to be in relationship with God. We were first made to be in relationship with him, and then out of that, in relationship with one another. And, and i got to say, there was a little bit, I felt just a little bit of tension with this topic when we're talking about singleness and we're talking about dating. I want to put this in a little perspective by first saying this. As a follower of Jesus, marriage is not your mission, Okay? Getting married is not your mission. Who you marry is not the end all, be all of your life. If that's your primary objective, if your primary objective in life and your mission is to get married, then I recommend aborting that mission now. Although I absolutely love being married to my wife, Jamie. Being married was not and is not my life's greatest goal, my greatest achievement, or my objective. Jamie doesn't complete me. I don't complete her. Although I do believe that we are both better together. Marriage doesn't determine my identity, marriage doesn't determine my worth. Only God determines those things. Only God. So you and I were commissioned with something higher than the mission of matrimony in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord, your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Find the right person to marry. No, love your neighbor as yourself starts with our relationship with God. It extends then to our relationships with others. Our mission is to love God with everything we are, to to please him, to serve him, to worship him. And and anybody, any person that comes before God in our lives becomes an idol. And that's dangerous. So we need to keep things in the right order. I believe there's blessing. I believe there's favor when we put God first. And then our second priority is to love others like we have learned to love ourselves in light of who we are in him. We love God first and then we love others, including our spouse. But if Jesus isn't first in your life, then I think every other one of our relationships will suffer. In Matthew 6, 33, Jesus was teaching, and this is in the context of having everything that we need, food and clothing. And Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus said, don't sweat it. Just put me first and everything else that you need, everything else is going to work out. But again, marriage is not the mission, loving Jesus and serving him with our whole heart. That is our highest calling. Life is all about relationships. Relationship with God, relationship with others. And when we have these things in the proper order, I think that we recognize that so much of what we're instructed to do in the Bible regarding our relationship with one another, so much of that has already been modeled for us by God. Did you know that there are over 59 commands in the New Testament alone about how we are to relate to each other? Sometimes these are called the the one another verses. Let me just give you some examples. Be at peace with each other. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Live in harmony with one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you. Have equal concern for each other. Serve one another in love. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Bear with one another. Bear each other's burdens. Teach one another. Encourage one another. Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Pray for each other. Do you think God has a few things to tell us about how we relate to one another? Along with all these, there are over 15 times where specifically we are commanded to love one another i think every single one of these commands reflects the reality of how god treats us how many of you know i'd much rather follow someone's example than just their instructions god didn't just instruct us to do that he showed us how to do that god is devoted to us he's compassionate he's kind he's forgiving he bears with us he bears our burdens he's encouraging i think God has a lot to say about how we interact with each other. And I believe that when we follow his lead in all of our relationships, our friendships, our families, our church, work, school, all of our different relationships, I believe they will all go better when we do them God's way. Let's talk for a little bit about those who are single and those who are wanting to get married. And I think that this topic needs... Needs a lot of wisdom, because let's be honest, I think navigating the field of romantic relationships in our day and age can be very tricky. It really can. Whether we're single, whether we're dating, whether we're married, whether we're divorced, uh, I, I think all of us face this challenge of figuring out what does it look like to live and to love the Jesus way? What does it look like? And I think all too often, we use the wrong standards to determine our course of action. Let me tell you what I mean by that. I hear people talk about fate bringing them together. I hear people saying things like, "It it was our destiny to be married, or maybe you hear people talking about their soulmate. At the risk of sounding unromantic... My wife will tell you I can be romantic, okay. Just know that. can I just can I just bring you some truth today? Truth, truth and love is where it's at, okay? The risk of sounding unromantic I'm just gonna just gonna break some myths too often. I think people let what we see in movies or what's on the Disney channel or the Hallmark channel determine what we look for in relationships. And unfortunately, that usually gets people into trouble. As I said just a little bit ago, I don't think there's a right one or a wrong one. At least not in the way that most people think about it. I mean, listen, there are now in our world almost 8 billion people on our planet And the idea that somewhere out there, somewhere in this world, there is one person who is the right one. And everyone else is the wrong one, and it's our job to fight through all the wrong ones, to find the right one, and when we do, it'll be magical. Everything will go right. We'll never have problems, we'll always be in love, we'll live happily ever after. Yeah, that's crazy. Let's be real. There, there are potentially thousands of right ones. If you're single here today, you should be shouting, praise the Lord, because you got options. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say, don't put that kind of pressure on you to just find Mr. Right. Okay, that's not fair. That's not right. I, unfortunately, that usually ends up, for, for, for many, just being an excuse for people to break off a relationship that they're not happy in anymore. Because, I mean, if if it was the right one, if, if they were the right one for me, things wouldn't be like this, right? I mean, if it was true love, we wouldn't feel like this. We wouldn't fight all the time, right? No, you fight all the time because we're stubborn and we're selfish and we're self-centered and too often we put our needs in front of our spouse's needs. It's not because it's not true love. Well, if they were... If they were really my soulmate, they wouldn't treat me like this. Do you ever wonder where the concept of a soulmate came from? It came from the Greek philosopher Plato, who stated that humans originally had four arms, four legs, one head with two faces. And he said that humans were tragically split in two, resulting in mankind being in this constant state of searching for our other half. Really? That's horrible. But how many of us grab hold of that like it's some kind of biblical truth that we need to live by? It's not. So it's okay to leave to believe that fate is a fairy tale. Okay, let's leave, let's leave the destiny stuff to Disney. They do a pretty good job with it. But let's not live our lives chasing after that. See, God has given us free will. God has given us options. And I think that what God desires is for you and I to choose wisely who we date and possibly eventually marry. And I think that it should be wisdom that should be our guide, not some romanticized idea of what love is. Godly wisdom is gonna be a much better guide for you than fate or destiny. And you say, well, wait a minute, isn't God, isn't God sovereign in all this? Absolutely. Yes, God is sovereign, and yes, God can close doors, and yes, God can open doors, and yes, God can lead us and direct us, but listen, part of that process is the fact that God has given us wisdom and the ability to choose wisely if we follow his direction. And so here's a couple thoughts for us in the time we have remaining on how we can choose wisely. Let me encourage you today to establish standards not just make a list, okay? Sometimes I know people make a list. Anybody ever make a list before you got married of everything you wanted in a spouse? Nobody? There's some fondest people. Yeah. Let me just caution you, though, when, if you're doing that, because list-making usually ends up being some kind of mixed bag of spiritual, physical, material preferences, And it's all self-centered. And I think that approach isn't the best list making tends to be self-centered. It sets us up for unmet expectations. And I would say instead of making a list of what you want, what we really need to do is set standards based on godly wisdom, not on personal preference. And if you're going to establish standards, here's some non negotiables I think should be on your list of standards for somebody that you may want to marry someday. The first on the list of the standards of someone that you think you might want to marry, they must be an active follower of Jesus. Non negotiable. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 14 says, do not become partners with those who do not believe. Pretty clear. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship does light have with darkness? And this may sound obvious, but let me just be very clear. If the person that you are interested in does not love Jesus, you are making a huge mistake. Chasing after someone who is not chasing after God will always lead you away from God's best for your life. Another standard for someone that you are considering marrying is it needs to be somebody that pushes you closer to Jesus. You are following Jesus. You are moving in this direction. Don't get distracted by somebody walking in a different direction. Hebrews ten twenty four says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Does the person that you're interested in, does, do they move you closer to Jesus or do they distract you from Jesus? Is your attitude or your actions in those things, are you more like Jesus with this person or are you less like Jesus with this person? Another standard. You must both be better together. Both be better together. Colossians 3.14 over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Are you and the person that you are dating are you more united on mission for Jesus or are you less united on mission for Jesus? Marry on mission. Find somebody that you can be dynamic with Jesus. Don't associate with bad people. I've, I've had people come up to me and say, I don't know, I'm, there's just something about bad boys. <laughs> I've had guys come up to me and say, I don't know, I'm just attracted to the bad girls. Stop it. Yeah. That's foolish. Proverbs 24 says, do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. For their hearts devise violence and their lips talk of trouble. Don't date someone that you have to make excuses for. Wait for someone that you can honestly say makes you a better person and who you make a better person, both of you. Can I say it this way? Date on mission, not a mission. (laughs) Dating someone who doesn't meet godly standards may be considered missionary dating, but most of the time it's just mission impossible. Don't do it. Our mission, what God has called us to, is all about our heart being in alignment with God's calling, with his purpose. Wait for somebody who your mission lines up, who makes you better and you make better. Another standard person that you're considering must be a godly steward. They must be a godly steward. Matthew 25, 21 in the parable of the talents. I love this. Towards the end, These words are written, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. We, you and I, we need to be wise in assessing the way that somebody we're interested in handles money. Do you know that when you get married, his and hers becomes ours? Don't assume that's a good thing. You better have an understanding of what a person believes about money. You know, um, I can tell you this Jamie didn't marry me for my money cuz when we got married I didn't have any. I was a student in school, she was maybe I married her for her money. She was working full time, I was I was a student. But we knew what we believed about how to handle our finances. I we knew that we would tithe. We knew that that was a non-negotiable. We knew that we would honor God first with the money that we earned. Were there things that we had to work through? Do we have some differences? Absolutely, we work through those things. But you better believe we had a good understanding of how we handle finances together. Set a high standard for each other in godly stewardship. Here's another standard. A person that you're considering must exhibit the greater love of God, not the true love of culture. Let me tell you what I mean. What do I mean by greater love of God? John 15, 13 says this, greater love has no one than this, that, the, that one lay down his life for his friends. The greatest love that scripture defines is not a love that's based on feelings. It's not a love that's based on emotion. It's not a love that's based on what's in it for me. It's a love that is based on sacrifice. The love that you're looking for needs to be sacrificial and humble. Another standard of somebody that You're considering they must value purity of heart and body. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Listen, purity starts with the work of God in our hearts. That's where purity starts. It starts in our hearts by giving our hearts to Christ. And then it's lived out in our decisions, in our actions. Romans 12, 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That is an amazing process. We allow our lives to be transformed by God, and that in turn transforms what we do. And I want to just take just a second to speak to some of the issues that I see in our world in dating these days, not even in our world, what I see in the church. Because dating practices in the church should not mirror our culture. So why are Christian couples living together? That's never been God's plan. God's plan. Why are Christian couples, people who say they're followers of Christ, why are they having sex before marriage? When God's word very clearly over and over and over says, a man will leave his father and mother and will be joined to his wife, not his girlfriend, not his fiance, but his wife. And the two will be united into one. Why do unmarried Christian couples go on vacations and trips alone like they're married? I mean, I, I, I can't speak to couples outside of the body of Christ, but that's not who I'm talking to today. This is happening to people who say they're followers of Christ. And listen, I want everyone to understand, God's standards don't change just because culture drifts farther from them. God's standards don't change. Please understand this today. All sexual relations outside of marriage is sin. It's wrong. It will keep you from God's best for your life. And I love you enough to tell you that today. I'm not saying this to condemn you. I want you to hear the truth. What does God's word say? First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says this. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before for God did not call us to be impure but to live a holy life therefore anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being but God the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Here's the bottom line. Real love can and will wait. Wait for somebody who values purity of heart and body. Here's another standard for somebody that you would consider marrying. They must be a person of high character and integrity. They must be, non-negotiable. Proverbs 22.1 says, choose a good reputation over riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. We know that looks will come and go. We know that, but a person of character and integrity is priceless. When the person at the checkout gives them too much change, what do they do? Do they say something and give it back or do they quickly put it in their pocket and run out the door going, yeah! Character and integrity. Do they tell the truth? Even if it hurts. Do they have a good reputation? Do they honor their parents? Do they honor your parents? If somebody that you're dating doesn't honor your parents or their parents, they're probably not going to honor you. they live in such a way that they draw you and themselves closer to Christ. There's just seven standards. That's a great start of a list right there, I'm telling you. It's not complete. You could add more. But let me close with this. If you're single and if you're wanting to be married, I heard someone say this the other day. It's so good. They said, stop praying for what you want And instead pray for what you need because when you get what you need then you'll really have what you want. (laughs) That's good advice, isn't it? That's good advice for all of us. It's not a strategy to manipulate God. It's just getting first things first. Psalm 37 verse 4 says delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. Listen, when we When we give our lives to Jesus, we give him our heart. When we give our lives to Jesus, we relinquish our heart to him. We entrust our heart to him. That means that the desires of our heart need to become the desires of what he wants for us, not what we want. People will say, just go with your heart. The Bible says... Go with what Jesus says. And listen, if we can trust God with our eternity, I believe we can trust God with all of this as well, can't we? I mean, if we can trust God with our eternal soul, we can trust God with the answers to all of these issues. We can trust him. He's trustworthy. Amen? Let's bow our heads together. So I want to pray. I want to pray for each one of us. And you may be here today. You, maybe you're single. Maybe you're married. Maybe you're looking to get married. Maybe you're not. But I believe that the godly wisdom that we can find in his word can give us instruction and can help us in every single area, every relationship that we have. And so, Lord, today... I just ask that you'd help us to understand what we need. Lord, each one of us, no matter where we're at, give us the desires of our hearts. Not just the things that we want, but Lord, would you make your desires for us, the desires that we want? Lord, we surrender our hearts to you. We trust you. We don't trust our heart. Your word says that our hearts can be deceitful and wicked. when we give our hearts to you, Lord, you will have promised that you will fill our hearts and you'll direct us and you'll give us wisdom and so Lord help us to understand what we need so that we don't ruin our lives chasing after something that we think that we want only to discover that it's put us far from your best. Lord, I pray today if there's any here that have never surrendered their heart to you that today would be the day that they make that decision. That they would not leave this place without getting right with you before they do. Lord, I thank you for your great love. I thank you, Lord, for your example. I thank you that you model for us how to do relationships. You don't just tell us, you showed us. And so God, we thank you for that. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.